From the beautiful city of Hollywood, we bring you Film Forward, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Hey, hey, welcome to Film Forward, everybody, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. And we've got a great episode for you here today. And it's not every day that we are joined by a two-time Academy Award nominee. She also has a new film out called Bring Your Own Brigade, which is playing in select theaters now. We're happy to welcome Lucy Walker to the show. Lucy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for doing what you do and inviting me along. Lucy, this film is just a roller coaster of emotions, my friend. (laughs) At different points of the film, I was experiencing intense moments of fear, sadness, anger, But ultimately, I was left with hope, and I definitely left with tears in my eyes. So first off, I just want to say excellent work. This is Mm -hmm. a really amazing film. But for those who don't know about it, give the audience a little synopsis about Bring Your Own Brigade. Thank you. I like your description. That was perfect. (laughs) When people hear that the movie's about wildfires, I think that they kind of maybe imagine like, oh, it's going to be one of those dry topic, informational, kind of bullet pointy, kind of talking headsy kind of movies and not really grab me. And, you know, I really want to be making the films like you described that are roller coasters and emotionally engaging and really kind of suck you in and take you on this emotional ride that you don't expect to go where it's going but when you find yourself there it's kind of intense and unexpected so that's sort of where I want to be and I thought you you I'm just gonna quote you on what you just said (laughs) feel free feel free to use it (laughs) thank you but um it is about these wildfires I moved to California and I couldn't quite understand like why we were having these big fires and that was a few years ago and so I said about starting to make a film originally a short film, and then we got so much incredible material, I thought, oh my gosh, this just has to be a feature film, which really kind of followed the first responders, the firefighters, I mean, and the residents who were living in these areas that were burning, because I realized that it was very dramatic what people were going through and suffering, and that there was a real problem, that nobody at that time had made a good documentary about it that would help me understand it. Because oftentimes, I don't know about you, but I think that my amazing colleagues that make documentaries, you know, if I want to understand a really, you know, important but kind of difficult thing out there, there's a documentary that's going to help me get my head around it. You know, mm-hmm. an incredible story that I didn't even know was going on. or maybe an incredible story that I didn't know was going on, but I could never quite understand, like Syria, for example. And then you watch your friend's documentary you're like, oh my goodness, not only do I now get it, but I also really feel like I've met some people in that story and I really understand it like from the visceral, personal, up close and involved way of, of really getting to know some people that are that going through that story personally. And so I wanted to make the kind of documentary where you really get to understand what the firefighters and the residents are going through. And actually was already making it, already embedded with firefighters when this deadliest ever day came along, deadliest, costliest, biggest day ever in California history, which were these two fires that happened, one in Malibu and one in Paradise in Northern California. They're the opposite ends of the state of California, opposite ends of the political spectrum and economic spectrum as well. And we could embed in both and actually really get a glimpse of what 
was going on for these firefighters and residents and what was causing these fires and what can we do about it? And so you get a very visceral immersion in what it's like to be in these fires and then following the story and the clues and the investigation about what's driving them and how we might be able to affect them in the future or what's really going on about why we can't fix the problem. And I think that you kind of go on this journey of investigating with me because actually it turned out that my initial assumptions about what was going on were wrong. So I had to actually kind of dig deeper and go on this journey. And that's where the film takes us. And through meeting some really incredible people and following their stories and what's going on, we really, I think, illuminate the bigger problem. But it's never in a dry way. Hopefully it's really in a kind of cinematic and engaging way. Yeah, 100% cinematic. And, and like you said, your assumptions were wrong. My assumptions were wrong as well. I learned so much and I'm born and raised in LA. So I kind of, you know, grew up in the heart of the fire, so to speak. Um, and I learned so much uh, pertinent information from this documentary. I want to kind of touch on the personal aspect, the, the people aspect of the film first. You interview a lot of survivors from both Paradise and Malibu fires. And, you know, a lot of these people had lost their homes. And there's so many stories and we hear a lot of like 911 calls as well of people just refusing to leave their homes, even while sometimes fires just right outside the door. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, my God, what are you doing? Just leave, you know, their possessions, save your life. What, what is going through your head? But you interview one gentleman and he brought up an interesting point about how certain possessions to him were keys to his memories and key elements of his life. And if he lost those, then he would lose a part of himself. I found some empathy in that. I probably still would have bolted, but it did make me reevaluate my initial response. Did you have any changes in perspective like that personally? Because you interviewed, you know, obviously so many people and they go yeah. through so many different People react to danger in, in very different ways. They do. And I am a chicken. You hear me at one point in the movie having a panic attack. And the fire is not actually very close. And I am not somebody who is really courageous around these fires. I find them terrifying. And I think that was a good reason why I had to make the movie because I was so worried about living in Los Angeles where I'd moved to. Am I safe? Will I survive? What should I know? Mm -hmm. You know? Right. And it's kind of like back to almost this original like purpose of telling stories around the campfire with our ancestors or something. You kind of want to hear, if there's a tiger over on the right there, you know, coming towards you, you want to hear the story about it on the around the campfire. Again, there's a tiger down that path. And if you meet that tiger, here's what you do. And I, and I kind of felt like I was, it was almost that kind of motivation to make the film. I was like, I need to understand this life threatening, life-saving information. And actually, I, I was the first time I've actually also decided to put myself in the movie because I felt like my own journey of enlarging my own perspective was kind of a really honest and authentic way of actually telling the story. And also, I was really humbled that my initial assumptions had been upended, and I was very surprised what I'd learned and what I'd assumed turned out to be wrong. And I also realized to my kind of horror, actually, but fascination. And I think a very important revelation was to realize that actually the fact that I was a European, so I'm originally from London, England, mm -hmm. and I lived in New York for film school, actually, and then I come to Los Angeles and I'd seen the fires on the hillside and I thought, put that stuff out. I'm scared. Why can't we put it out? And 
I realized that actually that kind of European mindset coming to California and kind of mistaking California for kind of like a kind of badly behaved Europe, that we could control the fires in California as we could control them in, say, London or New York, which has totally different climate that doesn't have these dry seasons that we have, that isn't designed to build burn, like the Western United landscapes are designed to burn. And I realized that actually my kind of European misunderstanding and arrogance in coming to this landscape had actually been a big part of the problem historically, that Europeans had immigrated to California are not understood, to say not understood, I mean, they also you know, massacred and all these atrocities, right? As I was learning about California history, I actually not quite understood the extent to which you know Native Americans were actually massacred mm-hmm. in California. The European mindset was that fire is a villain. And you can even see that in the Smokey the Bear, you know, don't set fire to the forest with a match. Right. Right. Smokey the Bear and, and you know, never you never want a fire in the forest. That kind of European complete kind of prohibition of fire. Whereas in fact, you know, California landscape is going to burn one way or the other. And if you put out all the little fires, there's going to be a mighty, huge, unfightable fire that comes and gets you and it's not going to be fightable and it's going to cause all this damage and loss of life and property when the fire weather conditions line up. And that's what we're seeing there. So sort of understanding that my story as a European coming to California, I was just one in a long line and That was actually part of the story and that the indigenous fire practices, we had so much to learn from and we're only just waking up to that again, I think now in this moment. I thought that was fascinating and I loved meeting the Native American people and learning about these cultural burning practices and how there was a totally different way of living with the land that really was far more sustainable and less dangerous. And that part to me was kind of a revelation as well. And I think the sequencing of your film was brilliant in that. Oh, say that again. Like, I mean, that that moment came at just the perfect time because I don't want to give it away. But in the sequence of the of the film, what happens before that, I was about to lose hope because there's one scene, uh, and I think you know which one I'm talking about. It's a scene, oh, yeah. it's a scene you're, oh, and, yeah. I, and I was just pacing in my house, screaming at the TV about why is this happening? What are these people thinking? And then this, uh, this glimmer of hope came. As you mentioned, we're kind of going on the journey with you and through you in this film. Even though I'm from L.A., I found myself relating to you the most in in the film. For me, that revelation was so needed and it was such a breath of fresh air. I cannot imagine what it must have been like for you to make that discovery because I'm watching, uh, you know, an hour and a half, two hour movie. You've been living with this story for years, (laughs) you know, so I... I can't imagine uh, how desperately you must have needed that. Yeah, no, it was, I was so compelled by the story. When you're talking to these people and they're crying because of what they're going through, I felt such a responsibility to try to really get it right and understand all the way down to the bottom, I think, of what's really going on with this and, and to weigh up all the different theories. Because actually there's quite a lot of other theories that were totally wrong about what's going on. And some of them seemed kind of plausible on face value. And yet it was really a a whole project to kind of get in there and and find out what was really 
causing these fires and what could we do? And, and it was really encouraging, wasn't it, to discover that there are things that we can do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's not just that we have to sort of watch it get worse and worse and worse and know that we're doomed. I felt really encouraged, actually, that even though there might, we might not be solving the problems right now, the fact that we're actually understanding the problems better that is a good step. Yeah. And I think we kind of capture that. But yeah, there's a moment, and you just mentioned it, there's a moment in the film where I actually, again, chose to put myself in the film, which I never do. I'm always hiding well behind the camera. But I put myself in the film because I was sitting in the front row of this town council meeting. And what happened just knocked my socks off. And if I hadn't yeah. been sitting in the front row, I don't think I'd have believed it. It was sort of fascinating because you've seen at the beginning of the film these horrific scenes and I wouldn't have put them in the film. They were so horrific. It was so horrifying what goes on inside these fires and we were able to, you know, be embedded ourselves with our camera team, but also to gather material that people were shooting themselves, first responders and residents were also filming on cameras and phones, and they would give me their material, and we could also file freedom of information requests and get 911 calls and first responder radio traffic, and you can really piece together the incident from the inside using those different video and audio sources mm-hmm. and meet some people who had just unbelievable stories, you know, of heroism or horror or terror. I mean, there's a few stories in there. You know, there's a girl who can't evacuate her mom and who dies. And there's a woman with a newborn baby and she can't run because she's just had a C-section, but the fire's coming towards them and she has to make a decision. And you have an ambulance that's catching fire with a nurse, you know, and then you have a dozer driver whose dozer window is melting and his dozer is not designed to do this, but he realizes that the cars are stuck in a traffic jam unless someone boots the car out of the way, hundreds of people are going to die. And so he goes and there's another firefighter who realizes that all the residents are going to burn up because they're stuck in the traffic jam. And so he breaks into a Walgreens and uses that cinder block building to shelter people, which is not in the textbook manual for how to help residents in the middle of a wildfire, but he couldn't escape these people. And so we had to just stick them in a cinder block building that they could defend for a few minutes with all their might while the worst of the fire front blew through. And you realize that these people making these decisions in these moments, the most dramatic stories and the most hellish scenes. And so that's how we start the movie. And it wasn't gratuitous. I didn't want to just sort of show you the horror that these poor people have been traumatized by being involved in. I wanted to actually show that because later in that scene in the town council and in the front row, you see those same people voting against all these sensible, and usually often, not always, but sometimes actually just free, no cost, measures to make the town safer and you see them being voted down one by one and you can't believe that it's that hard to make changes that would be in such seemingly good interests for the people of the town and I thought if I hadn't seen that with my very eyes and had a camera to capture it that I wouldn't perhaps have understood really how this problem keeps perpetuating itself and that I thought was incredibly fascinating so Right, then just when you think, oh my goodness, how are we ever going to solve these big problems that take us coming together? Because we're so bad at that as human beings. And then you meet these incredible Native American elders who have such revelations and insights 
I thought really there's a whole new chapter and the film is kind of in chapters you know there's yeah you don't see around the next corner you know I, I go where the sort of investigation takes me and then it takes me to a new place and then it takes me to a new place and it was kind of like this unexpressed gym like that but really to get to the end and realize oh my goodness the Native American people had the answers all along it's just that the Europeans hadn't seen that and had actually banned what turns out to be probably one of the very best things that we could be doing and the thing that we're going to be doing more of. Absolutely. Such an incredible piece. Bring Your Own Brigade, everybody. Check it out. It's playing in select theaters right now. It'll be available on Paramount Plus starting August 20th. Lucy, this was a really breathtaking film. Thank you for making it, and I'm really looking forward to a second watch. It's an honor to have you on the show. Oh, such a total joy. I really appreciate you and this wonderful conversation. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to Film Forward, and we will catch you next time. Our recording engineer and mixer is Anselm Kennedy. The podcast is produced by Anselm, Sonia Maru, and yours truly. Thanks for joining us on Film Forward, and you'll hear us next time. <laughs>